out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger and I'm a specialist in neurology and sports medicine. I'm here with my co-host, Spencer the Wizard Grossiger, and we're very proud to be broadcasting live from Marion Golf Club here outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's been since 1981 since this area has hosted a major tournament, and we're really excited to lead this show off with a U.S. Open preview. So let's kick it right off. Spencer, you know the course. You understand the strengths and weaknesses. Who's going to win this tournament and why? Well, hey, how you doing, guys? Uh, it's Spencer Grossinger again, uh, co-host of Bruce the Sports Talk. It's nice to be back on the air. Um, with Marion, it's nice that the tournament is right in our backyard, and um this this place has a lot of history. It's it's a place of rich history. We all know about um, Ben Hogan's one iron into the into the 18th hole at Marion. In terms of who will win, I mean there there's a field of probably 64 players. I'm looking for a player that is very accurate off the tee. I'm looking for a player that has a really good short game because at the U.S. Open. Usually the scores aren't very low. Now I know that we have a lot of rain in the forecast, so that could definitely impact the scoring because with slower greens, it's easier to attack pins because if you hit a, if you hit the the ball near the hole, it won't go off of the green. Um, Marion, of course, cut the greens really slick, but with the rain that we're expecting this week, I expect the scores to be a little bit higher. I'm looking for a couple guys that could crack through on the European side and win their first majors. It's tough to narrow it down to one person, but I'm going to mention a list of five, and these are the top five that I pick. I'd pick Luke Donald because he has a tremendous bunker game, great short game. If he can get some putts to fall, he's a very accurate iron player. I think he has a nice chance out here. Lee Westwood, who's been close uh, um, who's been playing very well. I'd say his last two years have been his strongest years ever on tour. He went through about a five-year gap from about 04 to 09 where he didn't play his best, but now he's really got the swing back. I think he's definitely matured. He's definitely been under the ringer in terms of trying to win a major championship. So I look at Lee Westwood as definitely a candidate. Um, then you have Rory McIlroy, um, who's still getting used to his Nike clubs. Ah, uh, 
actually, I might, I might actually throw in Tiger. Um, I think that he has a he has a good chance of winning. Of course, he has fourteen major championships, and he's been having a strong year. He won Arnold Palmer, um, and I think he won another tournament. So Tiger Woods is a name I put up there. And then Phil Mickelson had a nice bounce back week in Tennessee. Played well through um, a couple rounds there in TPC Southwind. So I'd say Phil Mickelson, and then a guy who's just been very hot on the PGA Tours, Harris English. So there's a lot of names, but I'm looking for guys not necessarily the longest drivers not really like a bubble watson who can just drive the ball very far and kind of erratic because this course marion is tight and you're going to need to be extremely accurate and it kind of sets up better for like a link style player so oh man there's a couple names that i left off which is um adam scott definitely is up there um along with another player that I can mention is Hunter Mayhan. So there's Ricky Fowler. This field is star-studded, and it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and 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 U.S. Open is very exciting. Well, my own prediction: um, going European, um, Graham McDowell. He excels in the majors. He is uh, long enough, but not super long. When he is on a roll, he's precise. He locks it in. The thing about Marion is you're looking at. Well, you're looking at 20 to 30-yard wide fairways. You're looking at some of the deepest rough on tour. And that is many different courses. For instance, Augusta doesn't use rough. It basically, there's out of bounds. There's a lot of water. But Marion is famed for the rough and the high fescue. That's a Philadelphia-style course. And for instance, the second hole, which is a, uh, a variable distance between about five... 30 and 570 they can move the tees around we call that elasticity that's what mike davis from the usga calls it when a course can be lengthened or shortened and they want to vary it now we know the course well because we live by that's the course you that's the second hole that that you drive by you know two to three times a day spencer that's a very ribbon like fairway the way they did is they actually moved the tee back into the side so you're not even aiming for the, the, the fairways not even in front of you. You're kind of hitting it to the side. If you miss it right, you're in trouble. There's trees there. The, a road is right there. That's Ardmore Avenue, which will be closed off entirely through these four days. And the rough, the, so if you miss left, you get penalized with some of the longest rough. And the thing about the architect here, interesting, he was an amateur, a Princeton grad, Hugh Wilson, uh, one of his few architectural efforts was that they put bunkers in play. So even if you hit a very nice tee shot, there are bunkers in play all the way leading up to the second hole, and the green is very tricky and very sloped. So having said that, as we, we, we go through U.S. Open Marion preview, I've had the pleasure of playing the Marion East course about five times, so I know the holes from personal experience. I also go with Luke Donald. I agree. Luke Donald, not particularly long, but you don't have to be long here. Even the big players, even the longest players, are going to only be hitting about four to five drivers per round. They don't need it, and they're not going to sacrifice distance for accuracy. Looking at other players, I also agree with Phil. The fact that the greens are so slick and, and so sloping, there's so many pitch shots, and you have to have such an imagination for instance, the uh, the third hole, 
Spencer is a is a par three. It could play. It's it's the second longest par three in play, and second to Oakmont. There's a hole there that's 288 yards. This hole's going to play uphill all carry 260 yards. And I just saw a preview with Frank Nabolo. If you drop the ball on different portions of the green, it is completely a Rubik's cube. So that will play probably one of the hardest holes. And the interesting part about Marion, as we talk about Marion and then we flash back and forth to players, there's only two par fives on the course, the second hole and the fourth hole. And after that, you're, you're playing par fours and par threes. There's also five to six short par fours. And essentially, what they say about Marion is you, you could beat it up on those short par fours, but when you get to the end, the, the finishing holes are some of the longest and most difficult holes. As you indicated, the 18th hole, there's, there's a famous plaque where uh, Ben Hogan actually hit. On one day, he hit a one-iron. Another day in 1950, he hit a four-iron from the same spot. And he was kind of a salty dog of a personality. So they asked him, they said, uh, Ben, why why was it a one iron? And why is it a four iron today from the same spot? He said, of course, in his own characteristic way. Well, obviously, it's a four iron shot. So getting back to the U.S. Open, we, we have to uh, talk a little about the weather. We have uh, Tropical Storm Andrea was here in the last week. So it's actually dropped four and a half inches of rain onto the course. And today, Monday is a practice day. Tomorrow, we're obviously going to air. The exciting thing is that uh, Bruce's Sports Doc and Spencer the Wizard, we're going to be on uh, on the course from Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's Sunday's Father's Day. So when we come back, we're going to have another live show detailing firsthand the U.S. Open from Philadelphia at Marion. While we're talking about weather, we'd be remiss to not mention the lowest point on the Marion Golf Course, which is the 11th hole. The interesting thing about this hole is it's a very tiny green, and it's bordered in three directions by by a creek. So it almost plays like an island green. And right now, Cobbs Creek, which is the adjacent creek to the 11th hole, has risen. There are times when this hole could actually be underwater. And right now, Mike Davis and the entire USGA team is working feverishly. Right now, the, the, the bunker in front of the 11th hole is actually full of, full of water, and they're working to remove the water and to, to dry, up, the, dry the course out. And there's millions of miles of drainage pipes underneath Marion. Mike Davis, who's the expert of the USGA, says that this is the best draining course in the world. Nonetheless... We've tested it with five inches of rain. One of the other great notable factors about the 11th hole, it's a beautiful hole. You hit down and there, there's a very thin fairway. There's rough to the right. And then you hit to a tiny little green. And if you miss, if you miss to the front or to the right, you're in the little stream. And it's also uh, it's going to be hard to keep that, that green dry. And obviously in, in, in firm, fast conditions, this hole is really difficult. And when you play the hole, one of the best things when, when you tour it is there's a plaque. When Bobby Jones had his Grand Slam, the final jewel of the Grand Slam was at Marion Country Club. And sure enough, there's a plaque right there in the 11th hole commemorating Bobby Jones. And there's actually a big rock. And originally there was a big rock. And, and Jones himself, he was playing there. And all, he came back to the course, and there was a big plaque that said Robert Tread Jones 
you know, wins the Grand Slam here. And he said to me, he goes, well, he goes, it's weird. He goes, I feel like this is a monument to me and I'm still alive. So when you, when you go to Marion, you got to look for the Ben Hogan plaque and you got to look at the Bobby Jones plaque, which is on the 11th hole. Another thing that's wonderful about the course is there's a terrace. It's, it's a very old-style quaint course. When, you, when you're there waiting for the first tee, and the first hole is quite an easy hole. It's a little dogleg right. But when you're on there in the terrace, you, you, they have a famous thing called snapper soup or turtle soup. When you're on that first tee, you can smell the turtle soup right from the terrace, and the people are there watching. And one thing about Marion, unlike any other course, you, when you play that course, you're not allowed to take a mulligan on the first hole. It's not allowed. So the fact is, you hit that shot, you play it. If, if you try to take a Marion, if you try to take a Marion, take a mulligan, different name, you will uh, likely not be asked back to play on this fine gem. So that segment sure flew by. We're right here live. U.S. Open preview. Stand by. We've got more U.S. Open preview. We also have... We're going to dig deep into the NBA Finals. Stay with us. We'll be back in three minutes. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and we're here at U.S. Open Week. 
Marion Country Club, Haverford, Pennsylvania. My home course in my high school was Marion West. That's where there's the site of the driving range where the players are actually shuttled back and forth between the west and the east course. This is only 110 acres, which is a small postage stamp. And we really thank the USGA for bringing it back to Marion. The last time I was in attendance was in 1981. Uh, David Graham won. And also 1971, going back, Lee Trevino. So some of golf's, golf's greats. Look at the names we've already mentioned. Ben Hogan. Bobby Jones. Lee Trevino. Of course, the Golden Bear, Arnold Palmer. This course has hosted more USGA tournaments. It's actually hosted 11 championships, including U.S. Amateurs. This is always listed as one of the top five courses in the world. So what makes Marion great? Number one, the fact that classic architecture, the greens are all different. Even the par threes, we have three of the toughest par threes in the world on one golf course. And then you're given a little breather, the 13th hole, which is that 115, 120-yard flip wedge shot in right off of Ardmore Avenue. But other than that, you're looking at monstrous holes. You're looking at the 17th over a great gorge, and that hole uh, is a daunting hole. Because if you miss if you miss left, you're in deep rough. You're in woods. You're gone. If you miss short, you're in a, in a gorge. This, to the right side, which you usually, if you're going to miss, you'll miss right. It's a very deep sand trap. So 17th hole, and these are all over, beautifully designed over a, um, I'm trying to think what they call it, um, Oh, I'll th- it's just it's just a huge uh, ditch, a huge cavern, and the 18th hole is going to be playing ridiculous, par four, paying, playing 560 yards straight uphill, and players you'll see a lot of players laying up. You don't see that in the PGA Tour. The 18th hole, no, you'll see they can't reach it. So you'll see them hit their second shots in position to hit a wedge in, and you, you'll you will not see. You, you won't see hardly any birdies on the 18th hole. And that's a st- straight uphill hole and uh, just just phenomenal. Looking at the, the field, we've, we've got a great field, and it also bears to mind a wonderful three. We're going to be looking on Thursday at 1.14 p.m. The big three, Adam Scott, Rory McIlroy, and Tiger Woods playing together for the first two rounds, Thursday and Friday. So you could imagine that Spencer and I will be using our periscopes. We'll be standing on each other's shoulders. We'll be following this group. And luckily, they only have 25,000 patrons, which is a fraction. Most golf tournaments, they usually let in between 125 and 150,000. There's only 25,000 patrons. And for you going to the Open, the best place is the grandstand on the 15th hole. You'll be able to see 15, 17, and 18, and... It actually, this grandstand actually houses 10,000 people. So for all you people who are might not feel like walking around the soggy course, go to the grandstand on the 15th hole. Spencer, uh, something very interesting today. Sergio Garcia approached Tiger Woods on the practice ground and went to him. We presume he apologized for his fried chicken comment and shook hands with Tiger. It was not a very long interaction, and they interviewed Sergio, after this event, and he said that he, he, he 
debated how he was going to apologize, and he debated calling him on the phone. He spoke to Tiger's management company, and they said the best way would be in person at the U.S. Open. So sure enough, he apologized. After the round, Tiger still appears to be perturbed about, I'm sure, being called a liar and and other things uh, earlier in the year at a tournament when Tiger apparently pulled a club from a bag while Sergio was addressing a ball. And the crowd, of course, who hinges on every motion of Tiger, uh, there, there was a loud... Um, there was a loud groan or a, or a loud noise from the audience, and it really displeased Sergio. And Sergio felt that that was gamesmanship on Tiger's part. And that really kicked off, which has been an ongoing feud, capped off by uh, a European tour dinner where Sergio said, sure, I'd have Tiger for dinner uh, with me. I'd, I'd, I'd have him as a guest, but I'd serve fried chicken. It really uh, not a veiled comment. You know, it certainly has uh, racial implications and when Tiger was interviewed today, Monday afternoon, about this, Tiger said, I don't have much to say about that. I'll, I'll be giving you my interview tomorrow, which is Tuesday. And that's actually today for those of you who are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc. So there's still tension. The, the USGA loves to, to have some great pairings. They usually pair great Americans. They have great Europeans, um, big bombers. So they, they really stack the deck in terms of making it very interesting for the fans. And they didn't want to make it so interesting to pair Sergio and Tiger. I think that would have been distracting for both players. Spencer, tell us, uh, if we had to pick the three players, Adam Scott, and we also have, uh, uh, excuse me, we have Tiger Woods and Rory, and we also have the interplay between Tiger's old caddy and Adam Scott, the, the starchy Australian. Give us some sense about how that's going to play out over Thursday and Friday here at Marion. Well, that's definitely um, the marquee match um, matched group that you have going off in the afternoon on Thursday. And then um, if, if, a, if a group goes off in the afternoon on Thursday, I'm pretty sure, you know, Bruce, you could correct me, but they'd be going off on Friday morning. Yes, seven. Sorry. Don't mean to yell across the microphone. Exactly, Spetch, you are correct. And they will be going off at 7.44 a.m. on Friday. Not that I really memorized that, but I guess I did. Not that you were paying attention to that or anything. It's not like you're totally on this U.S. Open thing. It's just another event. No, I'm kidding. You know, he. I, I thank you guys for listening to my, my dad, and he's just a wealth of knowledge on this event. I'm pretty proud of him for giving us that uh, that summary of, of Marion, and I'm sure that you uh, will see his, you will hear his words as you view the U.S. Open this week. Um, I think it is aired on ESPN. And and NBC towards the weekend. So uh, definitely on Thursday you should catch that group. On Friday, I don't believe that they have morning television hours that soon um, because they have to rotate the players that are going off in the morning with the ones in the afternoon. Um, usually with the U.S. Open, if Tiger Woods and that huge group is going off on Thursday opening day uh, in the afternoon, they'll probably have like Phil Mickelson, Hunter Mahan, some Americans going off on Friday afternoon to balance it out. In that group, I definitely think uh, Steve Williams was Tiger Woods' old caddy. And Steve Williams and Tiger had a lot of success. Williams was tough on Tiger, and that's exactly how Tiger likes it because Tiger's so competitive. 
and he he doesn't want like a caddy that will just be like as most people would be in awe of Tiger's talents you know Steve Williams always expected the best out of Tiger Woods and he always continued to push to win and uh and Adam Scott or Steve Williams really was great for Adam Scott cuz Adam Scott was um pretty pleased with his game but he needed to be kicked up that next notch to be a major champion to be a champion at Memorial last year or at Firestone um and Tiger Woods um, and Sergio Garcia, going back on that controversy, that was at the Players' Championship. I think Sergio was in his backswings. Tiger Woods was behind trees, so I don't even know if he could see Sergio. But then Sergio definitely backlashed. Um, it's definitely appropriate of Sergio to apologize. It's definitely something worth apologizing for, saying those those comments that are condescending towards Tiger and just racist, um, with racial undertones, like you mentioned, that. Um, so in this group, the marquee group, uh, Steve Williams and Tiger sort of had a couple bump-ups. Uh, Steve Williams, for a caddy, is definitely known to have more of a personality than another caddy. He often likes to give credit to himself um, more so than the golfer. But I think Steve Williams is a great guy. I think that I think that he's a – I haven't actually met him, but he's a terrific caddy. He's terrific at what he does, and his development has been great for Adam Scott. I think Adam Scott likes having Steve Williams, and that's really what matters. A lot of fans might think Steve Williams is too egotistical. I don't know him personally, but for Adam Scott, it's really helped him develop, and the results show that because he's already won the Masters this year, beating Louis Oosthuizen in a playoff, which was which was very very exciting. Um, no, excuse me, it was not Louis Oosthuizen. It was Angel Cabrera. I got that confused with Bubba Watson and Louis Oosthuizen. So in the marquee group, uh, what do I think is going to have play out? I think Tiger Woods is going to do decent. I think he'll probably be plus two. He'll probably be four shots off the lead. I don't think he's going to blow it out of the park, but I don't think he's going to embarrass himself in the group. I think Rory actually... If I had to rate how they would, I don't think they're all going to do that poorly. I think Scott's going to be a plus three, Tiger at plus two, Rory will be at one under, actually. I think Rory's going to have a really strong couple of days because he, he kind of has a little bit of something to prove. He he could have had a better start to the year than he has, and I think he's definitely going to cherish this opportunity to be with Tiger Woods, the best player in the world, and then Adam Scott, who's definitely climbing the ranks, too. So the big three, great group. And uh, it should be a fantastic U.S. Open. So I'm going to give it back to Bruce. Well, uh, as we headed to the next section, we want to cover the NBA Finals. We've got the Miami Heat and the San Antonio Spurs. Knotted at one, a very fascinating series. We've got a team that's stocked with the big three against the team that's future Hall of Famers, in my view. So we're going to get it to NBA. We appreciate all of you football and basketball geeks putting up with a little golf talk, but we feel that the U.S. Open is worthy of two segments. However, fear not, NBA Finals on the horizon. Stay tuned. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist, serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. It's time to switch gears and get back to medicine. We're going to be covering a topic which is called melanoma, cancer of the skin. We bring this up now because everybody that I know will be out in the sun. Whether you go to the beach, the lake, you're just out on the golf course. I want to talk about melanoma. I want to talk about preventing cancer. Melanoma is the deadliest form of skin cancer. More than 9,000 lives in the United States are lost because of this. We're talking about preventing melanoma. Be aware that sun exposure of all types and all levels can, can, can contribute to cancer development. Tanning beds are not safe 
Essentially, they involve UVA rays, which penetrate the deeper layers of the skin. So it's a fallacy to suggest that tanning beds are safer than natural sun. Very important for you to apply sunscreen daily. And the number of 30 is an ideal number for your sunscreen. You really don't need any more than 30. It's sunscreens that go up to 100 really don't give you any more protection, but give you more chance of skin irritation and toxicity from the sunscreen itself. So uh, I would say use your protection UVA, UVB 30. And it's very important to apply your sunscreen frequently throughout the day. There's a myth that those who have uh, skin that tans easily and doesn't burn is immune to skin cancer. That's false. So all of us need to use sunscreen. Another fallacy is that if you just keep putting sunscreen on, that it will be sufficient to prevent melanoma. So that's not really true. So what you need to do is you need to uh, cover up, you need to wear hats, and limit your exposure to the sun. Back when I was growing up, we would just bake in the sun. We, We thought it was fine. But right now, Anything that you notice, that is, spots or moles, need to get it checked out by a dermatologist. Another, another myth is that if you have a pre-existing mole, that it is not precancerous. But that is also false. So if you see a change in color, particularly a purple color to a mole, an enlarging mole, please go to the dermatologist because this is a treatable cancer early on. But when melanoma spreads, it becomes what we call metastatic. Um, the, the, uh, the cancer tends to be extremely friable, which means it tends to bleed into itself and be very difficult to treat. So what we want is we want everybody to be out there enjoying the sun, enjoying the summer, but we want you to be safe. So again, let's, let's wrap up this little segment on melanoma. Number one, uh, keep an eye on your skin. If you see any moles or lesions that appear to be changing or new, get it checked out. Also, routine exams by a dermatologist. While it's true that light-skinned individuals are more susceptible to skin cancer, the opposite is not true. That is, if you have skin that tans easily, you're not immune to having the effects of melanoma and skin cancer. Also, one application of sunscreen, not enough. Apply over and over again. The best is wear a hat, cover up, protect yourself with clothing, and don't just sit out there baking your skin because that is certainly uh, a potentially dangerous habit. Let's switch gears now to the full to the football field. We have uh, Rob Gronkowski just underwent his fourth surgery for a forearm fracture. Fourth surgery. And... He has had multiple setbacks along the course, including infections requiring antibiotics, but fourth surgery. So his year is certainly in doubt, if not his career. He also was diagnosed with a low back condition, and there's reports that he underwent a low back surgery. So Rob Gronkowski, six foot seven, beast of a tight end for the Patriots is going to be on the shelf for some time. Juxtaposed with that news 
is the emerging news hot off the wire that the New England Patriots are interested in acquiring the services of Tim Tebow. You recall the debacle last year where the New York Jets uh, underutilized Tebow. I think that's a, an understatement. And that it seemed that there was conflict within the Jets organization about how they were going to use Tebow. And ultimately, they didn't use him at all. So here we have back in studio, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, who's one of the world experts on Tim Tebow. And I want to hear his take on Tebow coming to the New England Patriots. And another question is, with Gronkowski going down with his fourth surgery, Bill Belichick, the master of novelty and deception, would he consider using Tebow in another position such as tight end? Spencer, what are your thoughts about one of your favorite players coming to the Patriots? Well, uh, it, it has it been official that he's been signed to New England? Because no. I thought that Bill Belichick actually said he was against having Tebow in there. Uh, we could just say reliable sources have said that we're going to presume he's going to be signed in the next day or two. I, I, I will, I, I'll believe it when I see it because Bill Belichick's a guy who doesn't like any media exposure. Um, he's a guy that does not like... He does not like when players come in and and take center stage. And to have Tim Tebow play another position, he just flat out won't be able to. Even though he looks strong, he's been playing quarterback his whole life. For him to train for another position in the play, it's very demoralizing for an athlete. He'll definitely get injured because he doesn't really know how to be tackled in that position, how to catch a ball while taking a hit from a middle linebacker. I just don't believe that he'll be able to play that because he's been playing quarterback his whole life. I understand why teams don't want Tebow because it brings a media circus with Tebow that he can't control. The fans want Tebow. Everybody likes Tebow, not only because of his religious religious fanatics and because he seems like a great person. Tim Tebow represents the true underdog in all of us, a guy who's just going to work hard, just going to be a great teammate, and just going to be a solid individual. And even though in this day and age, Tim Tebow might be so-called corny for saying that he's a virgin corny for saying he's been sober his whole entire life people might consider that and say hey this guy's just trying to brag just trying to be different this guy's you know like a little they might consider Tebow like a little bit preppy or a little bit above the rest of everybody else but Tim Tebow can't control the media circus that comes with him um Tim Tebow uh he he right now he definitely needs to improve on making throws towards the sidelines that's something that he needs to do he needs to lengthen out his throws he needs to continue to work on his throwing motion um tim tebow also needs to work on his touch and when he uses touch he needs to work on how far the football is going because tim tebow is a guy that mostly is one-dimensional as a quarterback and that he can throw the ball very hard but he usually can't he needs to improve in his accuracy definitely to be precise and he needs to improve on his touch but the bottom line is that it's very hard to be an nfl quarterback only 32 guys um in the world are starting as a quarterback and most most players in the nfl only play four years at average um tim tebow's a guy who's a very hard worker um if a team needed a starting quarterback this year they should sign him as a free agent you saw what he did with denver when they were one and four he not only inspired his offense to perform 
average. He performed. <laughs> he axed his defense to. Um, he led his defense, and he was a great team leader. And in the fourth quarter, when his team was down by double-digit points, he would always he would always rally them back. He's a very clutch athlete, and in the clutch, if you need a drive, he proved many times during that Denver series that he can get the job done and win football games. His record is still fantastic. He beat Pittsburgh in a playoff game. If a team needs a quarterback, doesn't have a starting quarterback, Jacksonville, Tebow should have went to. He should have started this year in Jacksonville. Um, You also look at the Oakland Raiders. He should also start in Oakland for sure. In Arizona, they have Carson Palmer, but Carson Palmer did not win a lot of games with Oakland. He's on the downside of his career. Why not throw in Tebow for a year? You could get him at a very low price. I would let Tebow start for for a year and see if he could develop his skills more because we right now have a very small sample size. Steve Young said Tebow can play. And the bottom line is the Patriots should not take Tim Tebow. And Tebow should not be thrilled about going to New England because Tom Brady's the quarterback there. He's not going to play another position. I'm just telling you as a sports analyst, that's my implication. He's he is not going to succeed at another position. He's going to have to be a starting quarterback, not a backup, a starter. And if he's not, then unfortunately, if no NFL teams are going to take, if no NFL teams, which I think are a mistake, are going to take Tebow as a starter, then I think Tebow should should go up to the Canadian Football League, ball out there, and maybe some NFL scouts will give him another chance, or, or the Arena Football League, or. Tim Tebow should uh, should continue to train, take this year off. Does he want to be, if he wants to be an NFL player, if he wants to make a difference, he's going to be a starting quarterback. He's not going to be any other position on a football team but a starter. We've certainly uh, worked it around the horn on this segment. We started off by talking about melanoma, a real serious topic for everybody out in the sun. We tried to give you some tips about how to stay safe, and we finished up uh, leading off with Gronkowski, four surgeries, fractures, infections, etc., and that leads us right into the breaking news, which is uh, hasn't been confirmed, as noted by Spencer, but Tebow going to the Patriots. And certainly being a Tebow fan, he belongs in the league. Uh, in my view, uh, Tom Brady will not be threatened by Tebow, will not cause a quarterback controversy, and he's truly going to be you know, competing to be a backup quarterback for the Patriots and to retain his spot in the league. Well, that's the end of this segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We appreciate you listening in. One more segment to go. Thanks for listening. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. 
visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. It's more than a sports show. Tune in every Wednesday for End of the Bench with Tony Bowie. Tony knows and does it all. Whether it's sports, business, or politics, the discussion all comes into focus in one place. You'll hear from celebrities as well as everyday people, each bringing their own perspective to the discussion. This is a weekly forum that you don't want to miss. End of the Bench with Tony Bowie airs live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel, the talk doesn't get any hotter. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the newest segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're going to get back to our usual friend, the closed head injury, the concussion. I'm here with an actual live patient. We'll call him Steve S. We like to maintain his confidentiality. But Steve is a very wonderful guy who had a very bad thing happen to him. In May of this year, he was involved in an accident where his head was jolted around. He had an acceleration and deceleration, and he suffered a severe concussion. Steve is with us today, and what we're going to hear from him is his experience with respect to his symptomatology, and uh, he, he has participated in impact testing, and... He's noted a host of symptoms. So firstly, Steve, I wanted to welcome you to the program. We're here on Voice America Sports, and you know me as Dr. Grossinger, but I'm Bruce the Sports Doc. I wanted to say, Steve, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, my, my experience has been that um, I, uh, I have trouble um, recalling uh, what, you, what I, I might have been doing in conversation or what I've read, or um, even what I'm supposed to do without making lists and reminders and things like that. And then uh, just the headaches have been really bad to the point of 
causing me to be nauseous or even vomiting it sometimes. Um, I, I get dizzy sometimes, and the injections help for a little while, but um, I, I, uh, I'm kind of suffering kind of. This has been going on for a while, but um, I'm hoping that as time goes on uh, that things will improve. Well, I wanted to thank you for that initial description of your symptoms. Looking at your impact score, Steve, um, you're very symptomatic, as you indicated. Some of the biggest problems relate to your headaches, your nausea. Uh, you've been having difficulty with processing. And what I, and I want to also, what, what, I, what I try to stress is certain areas, headaches, cognitive processing, and sleep are areas that are very difficult. And I wanted to talk, have you tell our audience a bit about your sleep problem. Um, I, I, I have another injury that causes me uh, problems as well, but I've had uh, the biggest difficulty with just getting to the onset of sleep, and then when I finally do sleep, it's 4 or 5 in the morning, and I'm back up helping my wife get the kids out the door. And uh, then I'm sleepy during the day, and uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of a vicious cycle where it, it, um, I, I feel like I'm not um, able ever to really catch up, I guess. Steve underwent impact testing, and this is very instructive. His first impact test post-injury was on 6-29-2011, which was uh, six weeks after his concussion on May 16th. His initial scores with the various composites were literally in the one percentile for the four parts, which were verbal memory, visual memory, his motor speed, and his reaction time. So his cognitive efficiency index was 0.06, which is considered a low score, and then it was below 0.2. He had some time, some treatment, and essentially a month later, which is 7-29-2011, today, he has gone up in some areas dramatically. That is, his verbal memory has gone from 1% to 11%. His motor speed went from 1% to 5%, and his reaction time is up to 4%. Still in the borderline area, which is lower than... So just to recap, he spontaneously has improved, and that is often the case with concussions, but he's still in some ways in the low normal range, and... His biggest problem is with visual memory. So as far as him being able to read and retain, that would be a tough area. Also, we talked about his headache. So how have we treated his headaches? We've used some occipital injections, which means injecting him in the back portions of his head. So, Steve, tell us a bit about your response to the injections. Um, the, inje the injections help for um, a little bit of time. Usually I've had them like once a week. And by the time I come back, it's, it's time for another one. Um, usually, a lot of the times I've uh, uh, aggravated things with some of the physical therapy that I'm doing for uh, my shoulder injury and just kind of uh, moving my neck the wrong way. Um, but it, it, does, it, it helps considerably in stopping the onset of the headaches. Now... I think it's important for the listening audience to realize that before your concussion, uh, 
and, and of course now you're still a very intelligent guy, but your job is to do various consultation things, and that involves having to multitask, to deal with people, to be articulate, and since your concussion, I know that you're frustrated about how you're performing. Could you tell us a bit about your, what you're experiencing from the concussion, how it impacts whenever you try to do something resembling your prior work? Well, um, I, I did some technical transfer work um, in the, for the pharmaceutical industry, but my primary job was a, as an AP chemistry teacher. And um, I, I, since May 16th, I, I was unable to focus and um, do any of the work. So I, I've been out on, on long-term disability. I didn't teach summer school or um, um, I haven't tutored anyone over the summer just to until I uh, kind of recoup my uh, my ability to focus on what I need to do. Well, I think that relates directly to how we're treating Steve. Uh, we talked earlier, actually last week, about how there are no medicines that have been studied long enough and well enough that have been shown statistically to help people with concussions. So what we're doing now is empiric treatment. Uh, he is getting a combination analgesic for his headaches. He's receiving occipital injections, just to let the audience know. These are injections at the interface between his head and neck. And what we're doing is we're also prescribing something which is a neurostimulant, which is called Adderall. And we started him off on 10 milligrams because I'm really concerned. Here's a guy who's a high-functioning guy who's done work in the past as a consultant, who's basically totally disabled from working as a chemistry teacher. So here's a really bright guy. And any of you who remember high school, and I being a doctor, I can tell you chemistry is certainly one of the most complicated areas. Basically, it really takes into account a lot of visual spatial ideas. It also has a lot of mathematics. It's really a lot of algebraic formulas and physical formulas. There's a lot of physics and chemistry. You can't really... You can't really understand chemistry without understanding physics, really. So here's a guy who, whose job is to teach, you know, uh, adults, teenagers, kids, chemistry, and he just can't do it. You can imagine how frustrated he is. So firstly, uh, I'm, I'm going to continue with some of the discussion, but I want to thank Steve for participating in the show. Thank you so much, Steve. Oh, you're very much welcome. Thanks for having me. So we've got Steve on his way. But I think it's very important for you to realize that concussions don't play favorites. They happen to everybody, young and old, every race, every creed, every color. And people can start off being ex extremely intelligent and accomplished like Steve. Some people start off, unfortunately, they might have some pre-existing problems like a learning disability or attention deficit. And you could imagine we, we add the concussion into the mix and it, it really causes problems. So if we look at Steve, we, we look at his symptom complex, we can see how symptomatic he really is. He's still graded to be a 6 in headache with nausea and vomiting. He still has a 6 out of 6 in falling asleep. Relatively good with respect to his vision. That is zero. That means he hasn't had a problem with the brainstem area or his optic nerves, or his occipital part of the brain, which is the back part of the brain. So that's, that's a good thing. And emotionally speaking, he's at a pretty even keel with a little bit of sadness and frustration, which is natural when you lose your ability to work, 
when you require many treatments to see doctors, and when you require medications. And before this concussion, he was formerly extremely healthy. So in any event, you've now understood what it's like to be in the doctor's office, to actually interview a patient, and to go over the impact testing, which is software developed at the University of Pittsburgh. Kudos go to Dr. Mickey Collins and his staff for developing and servicing the software and allowing us to utilize it. And we're happy to certainly uh, speak about that software today. So I want to thank you all for listening to this segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. We'll see you then.